Hi, everyone. So this is Mike with episode 38 of Getting Everyone Moving, brought to you by Palms to Pines Parasports. And today we're talking to a friend in India, Padmini Chenapragada, um, who I actually, she refreshed my memory and we met in 2017. Hello, Padmini. Namaste. Hi, Mike. Or should I call you Michael? Mike. Oh, Mike's Michael. fine, yeah. So let's get started in this. So we had met at a conference at Ability360 uh, in Phoenix. But so what's your involvement in the world of uh, disability and adaptive sports? I started off as a graduate student in the entire adapted sports community uh, in the US. And uh, prior to that, I was a physiotherapist from India. I was working with people with disabilities, but uh, from a therapeutic uh, space. Uh, perspective. Moving to Texas introduced me to uh, the world of adapted sports through graduate education. And I think once um, I finished my master's in uh, disability sport, I got more involved in, in community-based programming in, um, in the Dallas-Fort Worth um, area. I think post that, there was no looking back. Once I uh, finished the master's, I began to be more curious about why we can't do this kind of work in India. And when I was asking too many questions, um, I have a professor who, uh, Dr. Ronald Davis, uh, I don't think there's anybody in, in the United States who doesn't know Dr. Davis. So uh, he was like, I mean, I think you do ask good questions. So why don't you consider getting into the doctoral program? So that's how I ended up getting into the PhD program. And, uh, but the community-based work continued because of that exposure. As I, can, I, I was inspired to do that kind of work back here in India. So what is the state of, um, you know, people with disability around adaptive sports in India? I mean, I know there's a wheelchair basketball federation. Um, there's some wheelchair tennis players, but what else? How about recreational? Uh, recreational, I think in the context of uh, disability sport, I think the terms like community-based or recreational are still um, foreign terms, to, to, to be honest, because we don't have that kind of organized structure in place here. Right now, what we are having as a country are uh, competitive opportunities uh, where people are focused at what is happening at the global level. And then they tend to create uh, community-based programming here where they can prepare the players who can go compete at the international level. So we right now don't have um, programs that would prepare a person from their childhood all the way through their schooling into the Paralympic spaces. And I think the only exception to that is the work that's been happening um, in, in places in, in sport like wheelchair tennis or para badminton, you know, partly that also not completely. So I work with um, a nonprofit called Asta that's Bangalore based. And uh, we work to promote wheelchair tennis in India. So I think there I'm able to build, bring in that culture and we are trying to build that um, kind of framework. Uh, but, but beyond that, th there's not much that I can call community-based. So there's, there's a huge scope. There's, there's a lot of opportunity for programming in that space in India here. I need to come back to India and, and help out, but of course, there's a huge opportunity here as well. I mean, there's so much need. Um, you know, I lived in India and Nepal for seven years and I thought when I came back to the US, 
no, you know, no issues, but huge issues. But I mean, so what is it going to take, though, um, you know, to get more recreational programs in India? I think in context of sports for persons with disabilities, I think we have huge barriers to cross within the country. So when you talk about programming, I think uh, some of the basic things we might need in place are, uh, are, are concepts like commitment from a particular facility that they would get involved in the programming instead of saying, we can provide you the facility for one hour or we can only allow you on particular days. I think once facilities, existing infrastructure in, in India or the business owners, if they are willing to say, well, I'm going to work on the accessibility part and make this space open for more people with disabilities to come and even visit. For example, I have met tens of women with physical disabilities in India who come from quite well-to-do backgrounds. They want to just pursue swimming, you know, they at least want to be go by the pool and look around the space and stuff. And there's strictly no, because there's a, there's a safety hazard for them. Um, instead of preparing to make these spaces acceptable to everybody, uh, there's, there's this constant uh, no saying happening uh, and, and safety is the biggest thing. So I think once business owners are beginning to accept um, people of all abilities into their spaces, and the second part is existing communities of special schools and nonprofits beginning to understand the importance of sport. Right now, they're all buried all the way up till here in the neck uh, with, with challenges related to education and uh, other uh, requirements, uh, primary uh, basic health. I think once the community begins to have more information that sports can happen in the most uh, simple setups, there's a lot of stuff that's going to begin to happen here. Those two things, commitment from the facility owners or the organization leadership is going to make a huge difference in India. It might even lead to like a huge tidal wave kind of a thing because we already have amazing institutions here doing special education related work for children. They, they just don't have the professionals who can work with their kids in the context of sport. So I think that's where the exchange programs or uh, students from the foreign universities coming here is going to make a big dent really? in the ecosystem. Um, yeah. So when I lived in India, one of the um, organizations connected with National Trust was Amar Jyoti, uh, an oh, inclusive yeah. school. And mm -hmm. you know we did a little bit of sports there, some wheelchair basketball. And you know I met Amir Khan there. He was doing his show. What was his program? Do you remember the name of it? It's called it's called Satyameva Jayate, the, yeah. the Truth Only Triumphs. Yeah. 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 So he, you know, he wanted to do a show about people with disability and such. Um, you know, in, in terms of um, India and Bollywood and all that, I mean, that would seem to me to be one way to um, create more awareness about people with disability. Is, is that kind of thing happening in India at all? Well, I think... See, now and then, see, since there is this uh, huge uh, movement of social media-based um, awareness and, and content, you know, there, there's a lot of content that people are self-generating. So I will, I will say certainly social media has played a, played a huge role. But television, we are yet to find meaningful content being created within 
these spaces with relate to something that is more disability rights based uh, what there is there's criticism about some shows which try to look focus only on the inspiration porn angle because i think that is what sells the most in the most um, easiest manner and i think there's more awareness beginning to happen within the disability rights space in india so yes the television shows lined on concepts like that will be important will be significant because when satyameva jayate came out i think people actually got to know that people with disabilities play sport and honestly if satyameva jayate did not do that feature on amar jyoti i would have not visited amar jyoti for two days uh, post that event i after that i went and stayed and met with dr uma thuli i stayed um, with their school activities for two days i saw from quite close quarters what was happening in that school and what is being done by amar jyoti is is phenomenal work and i think it's a textbook example of what is possible yeah uh, yet we are not able to replicate it so that tells you how hard it is to do such work in india uh she's she's been a, a community based leader she's shared her ideas she's kept everything open for people to learn from but yet people are not able to replicate that model so yes the continued tv programming and media programming will help us immensely but we are not yet having that many intelligent uh people who are taking the disability rights angle on this it's still yeah. a lot of inspiration based stuff yeah you know i know um in the southern part of india chennai area Mm-hmm. it was um it was a disability law center maybe um i think about it, it the yeah the exact name of it was but there was a lot happening there there's a the school started by punam uh, natarajan punam natarajan yeah yeah punam natarajan uh, punam natarajan's organization has inspired quite a few persons with disabilities to become disability rights um uh, activist you know she's uh, she's inspired a lot of people to take up their own um causes to speak of uh so i I've, i've recently been looking up at her work and trying to engage with her system too so there is in i think all this work is happening in pockets you know it's like uh, and and there's no lack of intent to connect but i think the system is system overwhelms all of us so much that unless you allocate a certain aspect of your work for networking we rarely get an opportunity to sit across the table and speak and i think the pandemic has helped us dissolve those barriers to speak of because the the online communication became the need of the hour back in the day if you said we let us skype it was a silly idea they are like oh you are in hyderabad i am in chennai why don't you just fly down or why don't you take a train and come <laughs> it, it, the, yeah we we those communications and interactions were precious too but but it delayed stuff it meant if i could have a conversation and get stuff going in january i would still wait until the march for it to happen yeah that way i think we we are still spinning out some advantages out of the pandemic because of that yeah absolutely i i i agree i mean you know i've been able to work on starting this organization during the pandemic and i mean i haven't met all the board members yet you know face to face but it still you know somehow works right yes. um what about how, how do you think caste impacts um disability rights in india it's very interesting you asked me that question uh yes i think i think caste is still a threat 
I, I am an upper caste woman. I'm a Brahmin. So uh, it will be unfair to say that I have a firsthand experience of how caste impacts a person's uh, standing in the community. I come from an upper privilege uh, space. Uh, yet I grew up in a house uh, that had um, socialistic leanings. Uh, both my parents are, are uh, coming from socialistic backgrounds. Mom from a more orthodox background, but dad came from an out and out socialistic background where I did not know I was a Brahmin until I came to my high school. Until high school, I was just a person who went to school with everybody. And when I went to my junior year is when I think I got introduced to the fact that I was a Brahmin because there was somebody who said, oh, I am a so-and-so caste, what is yours? And I'm like, what, what do you mean by caste? And that is the day, like so my sophomore year was when I got introduced to caste. But in the context of people with disabilities, I think the problems they face are so much more complex with, re with regards to their own disability that they there's rarely even any reference to caste. I think disability in itself has been such a big discriminatory concept in their life yeah. that if, if, especially if they are somebody who have a physical disability, that's like visible, not even physical, something that is visible. I think that's more that is more discriminatory for them because it's not even deliberate. It is almost like systemic. The system has become in such a manner that if you have a visible disability, you get discriminated the way the system is arranged. The barriers are systemic and they have eventually also feed, fed, fed the attitudes of people. And in the context of caste, I think once you're passing through that barrier of the physical disability, when deeper conversations happen between people, yes, the caste comes up. Then there is all this discomfort that comes in for people. Um, but, but I am yet to meet people who are saying only because of caste, they have been held back because a good percentage of the nonprofits that have shaped out within these spaces were started by people from marginalized communities or were started with the intention of, uh, uh, of creating equity for marginalized communities. So somewhere caste was still being considered uh, yet not being appreciated as a valuable factor. Like, like this color blindness in the United States in the context of racism, there is still the, the, this whole conversation about we are a casteless society, uh, we don't care about caste. If you don't care about caste, you don't know how to care for the person you're trying to create the resources for. So yes, uh, and, and caste is also a concept in India where there is a lot of um, discomfort created for a person. So as hard as the conversation about color within social justice spaces in India, it's exactly that, uh, that here. The moment you start speaking about caste, there's discomfort. And, and then there is this guarding up happening among people who don't want to discuss their caste. In, in my context, it's slightly reversed. People may find it hard to process, but like the white guilt, I have the Brahmin guilt because there's too much of bashing happening for Brahmins. I tend to generally stay at the back of the conversations and not engage directly when there's Brahmin bashing happening. Or, or the moment we are all going out in a, in a group, right? And everybody deciding what they want to eat. And I am usually trying to avoid eating with everybody because I eat vegetarian food. Because until then, if people don't recognize my caste, if I make my food choice, looking at my food choice, people instantly know I'm a Brahmin. So that Brahmin guilt is happening for me. Uh, so 
I try to be careful as much as I can. But but I think as long as people like us who who are beginning to do the community based programming, if we are aware of the privilege we come from, and if we can be equitable in all the actions we take, and I think that is where you will not be saying you want to be casteless, but you will be factoring in the caste, but not also placing people in 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 discomfort. You know, when you're you're considering caste. Oh, it's a it's a huge thing. Caste in itself can become a whole whole. Oh yeah, thing. yeah. Well, you know, I I read the book Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've read that. Um, terrific book. I, about, I've heard the mention of it though. About the U.S. and caste, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's obvious to me, but you know, um, but also when you're vegetarian, just say you know I'm eating healthy. It has nothing to do with caste, right? Well, no, it's it's still deep to do with caste because uh, in, in India, Brahmanism is often. equated to vegetarianism and i'm like that's a myth if you think brahmins don't eat meat it's like yeah you're wrong but they just eat <laughs> they just equated yeah <laughs> so what what are you writing your dissertation about so my dissertation is uh, finding out what have been the sports and physical education experiences for people with physical disabilities in india um especially related to the telugu speaking states because i am i'm a telugu speaker and i i can find uh, i can find my research to these two states because these two states in south india are i think one of the two um, i mean two of the few states which are in india which ha- don't have a lot of disability rights work happening yes there are ngos and people doing the good work but the sector is not as organized as it is in karnataka or kerala or or tamil nadu for that matter so for me it it was important to identify what was happening at the grassroots at the most fundamental level so that's that's what i've been working on and honestly I, the results are not shocking at the same time uh, they also remind me that uh, no matter how much research we do community based work needs different kind of uh, ammunition you know to to deal with Uh, this will still inform the academia and probably it will give us the information to have conversations with policy makers but i think largely we will still be missing out you know um, on on a lot of um, factors we will have to still continue the work post the dissertation and the phd i will still have to continue through a lot of community based uh, research do you um well you know so you spent a good amount of time in the US right yes about 8 years i think yeah and i mean what are what are some of the things that you've you know gotten from the US or learned from the US that you can bring back to india i mean are there are there models of things that are happening in the united states that might apply in india or not so much initially i was impressed like the person who was always thinking the grass is greener on the other side obviously everything is new i'm wide eyed like a deer in yeah. headlights uh, uh, but i think the more st- things started sink- uh, sinking in for me i realized that um, we are very similarly dissimilar as countries Uh, the the quality of volunteerism i have experienced uh, in the adapted sports community in united states is something that exists very deeply within india's social work sector so there are organizations like the ramakrishna mission uh, for which i am uh, i consider i cannot go as far as to say i am a devotee of of uh, shri ramakrishna but i think over the years i have um i have desired to become a part of the community 
and if you really look at the work of such organizations the volunteerism has been there it has not existed inside the disability sports scene because it has not evolved the, the scene did not evolve much but um, so the volunteerism that i saw in the case of special olympics or paralympics or or even sports at the community level say example say at a public sport facility in houston i, I was just way too impressed when i came in because this what was not at all happening in india was happening in the us but i think as the years passed and i got to understand the system and the people more i felt all that kind of attitude people still carried in india but in different sectors it was only about channeling that into the sports for persons with disability space and what could happen differently in india is i think at the political leadership level or at the organizational leadership level we need a shattering of a lot of stereotypes to happen people assuming that a person with disability has to receive charity or they have to be taken care of or they should be provided with and not created an opportunity to engage with i think those stereotypes if we are able to shatter we will be in the spaces we'll be in the thinking spaces of where the judith humans and the others are coming from in india and that is not happening that is the difference between united states and india because largely we are still being governed by leaders and people who are not yet getting the concept of the social model or the empowerment model instead they are more like we uh what you call it as um there's still a lot of concept of charity you know there's still a lot of concept of control also i can say yeah. that needs to be different but but volunteerism wise programming wise there's there's larger operations happening than the united states and other sectors like the akshay patra foundation in uh, the iskons akshay patra foundation the work they do is phenomenal you can't beat the, those volumes with any food bank the food bank of north texas is is very small compared to what the akshay patra does so yes we have that human power capital here uh, we just need to channelize that into adapted sports yeah witness miracles when i was in india you know i was a, a voluntary service overseas volunteer mm-hmm. um so they used to bring people over from other countries but now it's it's totally you know india based and um hopefully they're still working in the field of disability i'm not really sure but um yeah so where you know where would you like to see uh disability rights adaptive sports say in or, or what do you see happening in say 20 years down the road um you know where do you see changes in indian society and yeah recreational opportunities and such i think the change the most uh, the most important change i would witness is uh, people with disabilities themselves becoming leaders in these spaces because today we have ngos in india which have people with disabilities as the leaders they are the ones who are forcing the government to change the policies or become more uh, inclusive uh, have an inclusive culture so in 20 years i am what i aspire to or what i dream to see for india is uh, i want the players only to become their administrators to eventually play and retire from the sport and say all right i'm going to contest the elections and become the president for this federation that is what i would like to see Uh, and i think that will that will happen in not even 20 years i think in right now we are already having players who are 
capable and saying um, i'll take up the leadership of this local community so about in in half a decade or or so i'm going to see disabled people leading these efforts there's already people at the community based programming level we have examples of people like justin jesudas who's been a uh, global sports mentoring um, fellow with uh, the university of tennessee's program uh, with dr sarah hillier yep. i think i think with people like that taking up the lead to promote sports for persons with disabilities um, uh, we will see the leadership um, the, the shift in the leadership we will also see spaces becoming more accessible because right now with wheelchair tennis we are already forcing tennis facilities to become more uh, uh, accessible so i think once we are growing as a initiative we are going to force the facilities to become accessible so infrastructure wise i see a shift and um, along the way the only challenge i see is the lack of personnel preparation we don't have enough efforts yet happening for people to be prepared to work in these spaces so that that's a gap i intend to fill through my connections in the us we we need that that support definitely uh terrific so terrific um what's what are some final words that you'd like to say you know to the listening audience about india about the us about adaptive sports whatever you'd like to leave us with i i think there's there's a more um, there is a need uh, to bring more foreigners into the adapted sports uh, learning spaces in the us uh, even for short periods i don't know how that's possible whether that would be exchange programs or what because practically i am the first indian to ever get a phd in this space i'm telling you can you believe it about over a billion people walking this planet and i am the first person to ever think of getting a phd as far as we know so i'm saying not not everybody will want to get a phd but we have not yet the at least the existing programming that's happening in the us has not yet opened the spaces for more diversity if i am allowed to say that i wish for diversity diversity to go beyond um, race i think we'll have to think in more creative manners um, i have uh, i have tons of examples i can give but i would give you something like there are there are families indian families immigrant indian families with children with disabilities who come into the programming through the schools yet when the parent decides to pull the kid out of the programming silently and push them towards classroom education there is not much interfering or advocacy happening from the teachers because there is this boundary of consent and parental decisions and stuff i think those are those spaces where i wish, would wish for the adapted sports people to say hey can i have a little bit of a conversation like to push the push the limits a little bit because i have seen too many indian children drop out of the adapted sports spaces in the us because parents say well i mean the parent doesn't want it so we're not going to speak for it and i'm like that is a barrier that needs to be broken if you want more indians to get into this and and the exchange programs or or is it possible for any program that's well established in the us to consider going and doing international programming you know once in a while um i think those kinds of things need to happen over the one one decade for people like us who are working in the developing countries to to pick up speed 
it it would be highly empowering for us to have communities come and visit us instead of us having to also come there all the time yeah that that will make a huge difference if if american programs can come once a year to visit us and engage with us that will make a lot of difference for us yeah well i know you know the international committee of the red cross is doing a lot of wheelchair basketball yes um you know sarah's program of course but there does have to be that exchange so yeah i agree with you really good and then there's also the need to be culturally responsive i think because i i have been one of the biggest critics of the icrc's programming in india and and i think over the years with that kind of critique happening also the international bodies are learning how to deal with uh, other cultures so 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 there's that's for another time but i really think yes there's some effort happening but they're coming with less information they can't come into these spaces like how they would go into a crisis situation i think icrc's biggest weakness i would say uh, in not understanding what where they're going into is always considering themselves as the saviors and getting into these spaces and saying we are going to change this we are going to provide you that but they are not looking at what they are creating in the local communities if they are pumping such resources without without um, you know what you call it as safeguards you know Yeah. they're coming in and saying i'm going to give you 300 wheelchairs so can you just get me people with disabilities and what is happening is herding of people happening so the rights are disappeared out of the scene there's there's herding of people happening into these events and then then the people who are benefiting from it are the ones who are empowered and who are dynamic so it it sort of defeats the purpose of inclusion and how sport can be a change agent yeah. so yeah this it's a um, we i just i just would wish for people who are coming into the country to have conversations with with people who are engaging in the system from the rights based angle and then go from there instead of instead of starting off something on their own they should engage with the people who are in the disability rights space and take it up from that space yeah like the best impact. yeah you know i i know jess mark is really you know trying to do this wheelchair basketball and You know, like I've gone back to Nepal, where I, you know, lived for four years, which is great. Um, but of course, in India, you know, there's this real movement to do the wheelchair basketball, and it's it's it seems like it's, you know, really progressed. Yes, it is because there is a dedicated organization which has wanted to promote the sport. But when you look at it from the rights-based angle, there's been challenges. They have not yet committed to a rights-based approach, and I think over the years of criticism and 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 fact checking happening for them they have begun to transform their efforts but i just wish you know that we are not going from that space where they'll start doing the work and then fix the system instead of using the rights based framework yeah sure that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense but yeah. padmini i so appreciate you taking the time thank you thank so you. much and we'll have to have a follow up conversation about this that's for sure absolutely thank you so much mike Namaste. Thank you. Thank you.